everyone. It's Erica from theweandme.com. Thanks for joining us here on the new We and Me podcast. We just got back from Barrie, Ontario, up in Canada. Eh, sorry, April. You know I had to. We were visiting the lovely April and her crew. She is a friend of ours with DID. She was just on our podcast last week. We wanted to talk a little bit today just about how things went in Canada, because while we were there, we did receive a few emails from people as well as messages and tweets on Twitter asking about how it went, how things go when we travel. Is it difficult when we try and get on a plane or is there anything that triggers us while we're traveling? What are the difficulties basically of someone with dissociative identity disorder who wants to travel? What you need to do is you need to kind of figure out what works for you specifically. For us, for me, we traveled a lot years ago when we were working a more full-time traditional job. As some of you know, this is now what we do. We do mental health advocacy work for people with trauma disorders, specifically DID. It's a lot of dissociative disorder awareness as well, because a lot of people don't understand that dissociation occurs on a spectrum. People with PTSD and anxiety can and do dissociate, and they can very easily understand dissociation. They just may not have the word for it. And that is another interesting thing that a lot of people struggle with. And I'm not sure how interesting you would find that, but for me, it is interesting because for those of you who were up in Canada and participated in the event Friday night, the 11th, at the Barry Holiday Inn Conference Center, April put together this amazing event. She did so much work over the last several months that it is astonishing to us. Because people with DID are all different. As I said, April, a friend of ours with DID, she, you can find her on Twitter at AFR365. And for those who've been listening to our previous episodes, there's only two right now. This is number three. Go us. But April is who I'm talking about who was on our previous episode. And she is the one who put together this whole event with the assistance of her system. And as someone with DID... I can't imagine trying to throw an event together like that. She was working so hard over the last several months, and she did an amazing job. You can find her, like I said, on Twitter at AFR365. So if you go to her Twitter account, you can find her blog and where she discusses some of what she goes through in regards to DID. She does a lot of different poetry work, and it's it's really awesome, and it's it's a great way to kind of understand somebody else who has DID. So for her... She was able to throw all of these things together and raise money for an organization that is across Canada that a lot of people don't know about. And I know that some of you who've read some of the things that we've written and have been following along with us, you know that we work with NAMI more recently. So NAMI is the National Alliance of Mental Illness in the States. And Canada has an organization that's similar where they can just walk in and get emergent care. You can see a counselor, you can see a, a doctor, a psychologist, in doing those things, it's one of the unfortunate pieces because a lot of people who who need the help don't realize that they exist. That's what we talk about. We talk about how NAMI is one of the best kept secrets in the U.S. So you really need to look through some of these things and realize that, yes, there is help available and you can find it. So I just hopped over to the CMHA Simcoe County page on Twitter. And for those of you who listen to us from Canada, you can find them on Twitter at Start Talking One. 
and their website is starttalking.ca. That's the link, and you can find it at their Twitter account, and it's CMHA Simcoe County. And they have some really great programs out. April, she had been tweeting about it, and this event was to raise much-needed funds for the CMHA Simcoe County. Uh, it's a mental health health support to the entire district, from youth programs to adult services. It provides what our VH cannot. If you go to April's page, if you go to the CMHA Simcoe County page, you can find out more about them. You can find out more about the event that April put together. We're going to chat a little bit about it because as some of you know, there were three speakers. We were one of the speakers, but who went on just before we did was Natalie Harris. And she did an awesome job. She has such an amazing story. People really need to take notice and talk about things when they can. These types of events really do, they can raise money, but they really raise awareness of what people are going through. And to have people you can relate to is such a powerful thing. We had several people who came up to us and they were asking questions. Michael Landsberg from Sick Not Week in Canada, I'm sure you know who Michael Landsberg is. He was, he was on television, apparently. So Natalie Harris at Paramedic Nat One on Twitter. She has such a great story. She's a mother, an author. If you're not aware, she's the author of Save My Life School, and she's the founder of Wings of Change Peer Support Group. She's a Huffington Post blogger, founder of Brainstorm, a public speaker for mental health. She herself has PTSD. She's a suicide attempt survivor. She's got this big story. She's such a tiny person, but she has such power when she speaks, and it, it was an amazing thing to be in the presence of such profound people who have these great stories and who are sharing all of these different things with their community and beyond their own community of Barrie, because Natalie is also from Barrie. So she speaks about all of these different things that she's gone through in order to help paramedics who also have PTSD, who are these first responders that don't take care of themselves as well as they could. And as some of you know, we also recently started speaking with the CPD, the Chicago Police Department, and working with one of their lieutenants to get and being a, a speaker with for them was a really powerful thing. And we had tons of great questions and an experience with the CPD. So I really can relate in a way to what Natalie does and the reason that she does it. Because some of these first responders, they just don't realize the impact some of these things, these this call after call after call can have on them. And I wanted to just take a tell you guys about a brief thing that she had mentioned during her presentation at the event Friday night in Barrie. What she was speaking about was the importance of understanding what it is that you're going through, but also having compassion and understanding as an outside person, not a paramedic, but understanding that the flippancy of saying, I mean, I don't know what their problem is. They signed up to do this job. No one signs up for trauma. You don't sign up for that. You sign up as a as a paramedic because you want to you want to help people. Nobody signs up to get PTSD. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of the gist of what she was talking about in a segment of her presentation. And it was such a powerful thing. And I am, if you're listening, Natalie, I'm going to be reaching out to you soon because I think it's really important that people understand the connections of different disorders. DID, for example, you're going to 
you're going to have that diagnosis of PTSD or CPTSD. So what people need to understand is that there are there are overlaps with DID in the realm of other disorders coming together because you're you're an entire system of someone living with DID. This goes back to what I was talking about in regards to setting up a way that works for you and works for your system when you're going to travel. So for us, full disclosure, we had a session with our psychologist just before we left for Canada. We were discussing some of the different things that come up for us when we travel. And I'm not going to get into all of the specifics of that. However, a few things. I don't like tight spaces, and I know that the majority of my system don't like tight spaces. But doing this and traveling is worth it to us. As part of our own presentation that we had given on Friday night in Barrie, we discussed some about this is absolutely triggering every time we do it, but it is up to us to take care of our own mental illness. It is up to me to figure out what works for me, what doesn't work for me, and hold the responsibility myself because it is my disorder. I am coming to do this. I am consenting to doing this. And that's a lot about what we discuss in therapy, in our own therapy, and how it can impact different parts of me. When we're in a room, for example, of a bunch of people, many of whom we did know from Twitter, which was really exciting, a quick side note, that was really exciting to meet a bunch of you and be able to actually speak with you face to face. And then we had a few people come up to us and tell us, you know, it was, it was a powerful presentation and that sort of thing. And we do, we are appreciative of that because it's beneficial to us to understand that, okay, so this does, this does raise awareness about DID. This does raise awareness about some of the other disorders that we discuss. And people do understand it a little bit more in the way that I articulate and explain it, which was just awesome. We want to give a quick shout out to Kevin. Kevin is someone who lives with DID out in Ontario. And you can find him at one lil pill, O-N-E-L-I-L-P-I-L-L on Twitter. He had discussed with April the day after the event, because we were leaving Saturday. We were only there for three days up in Ontario, but it was such a great time. So Kevin had reached out to April discussing how it would be great if some of us could get together the next day for a brunch and just go to breakfast and have have some great food because holy cow, if you've never been to Canada, you don't understand food. Portion control, portion sizes, forget that. You are about to get just this massive amount of food and it is amazing if you like breakfast food, for example, which that's our favorite meal. And I think every time we went to a restaurant when we were out there, just those three short days, we ordered breakfast every single time. And it was amazing food. We got to experience some of the like local spots and stuff like that. And Tim Hortons was a big one. I know some of you saw us tweeting about it. And then the other was Cora's. And that place had amazing food. So we got this half waffle with like bacon, eggs, potatoes, half waffle with all these fresh fruits on it, like blueberries, strawberry. There was melon on the plate and pineapple and banana. And then their waffles, they serve with a custard instead of the traditional syrup, which you can, of course, get. But it was amazing. And I don't mean to interrupt my thoughts, but we're still like riding this high of travel because that is another piece of the trickiness of travel for us. And 
we want to be able to enjoy things and we want each of us to be able to enjoy an aspect of things when we travel if they want to participate. So one of the big things, why I interrupted myself to explain the food, was just it was amazing. But Kevin had kind of gotten together and wanted to kind of get a few people together to sit down and have a meal and then kind of talk about these different things. We got to experience, and for me, this was the first time that I had been in a room with more than one person with DID and had been fully aware of it and fully able to speak to the people there. It was very interesting to be able to have a conversation with someone with DID face to face and then be able to see their facial expressions, be able to see some of the like understanding and camaraderie. So big shout out to Kevin. Hi. Thank you for doing that because it was really, it was an amazing experience for us. We really enjoyed being able to talk with you. And then, okay, so I know, I, I know I'm all over the place. And again, I apologize, but this is just what this episode's going to be. Hunker down and bear with us because <laughs> we're really excited about having had this amazing experience in Barrie where everybody knew when we went there, the, the flyers that were going around for the event talked about what the event was, where it was at, but it also listed what we would be discussing and what I would be discussing. So on the flyer, it had been shared all over social media, but it even explained that, listen, I'm talking about PTSD and DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder. So when I went there, people knew that I had this disorder. There was some concern and fear for some of my parts about that. However, because of where we're at in therapy, because of the work that we've been doing, we were able to go knowing full well that there was no hiding. There was also no need for this hiding and this fear and this shame that people experience. And the shame piece of trauma disorders for me is such a strange and backward emotion. Because if you've experienced trauma, you experienced it. You didn't do it to yourself. So I don't understand. You didn't, you didn't create these things. You didn't do these horrible things to yourself. So having shame for something that you could not control, that was absolutely beyond your control, I don't understand that thought process. I do get, because of stigma, those thoughts occur, but I think it is such a backward thing and we really need to work on that. Individually, everyone needs to begin to work on that. And again, I'm not trying to be preachy. That's not what I mean by this. I mean, events like this that April had put together, there's such an important thing, you know, raising the funds, whatever it is that you do or don't end up raising, the importance of having these conversations is so high because a lot of the time, most of the time, this is life and death. This is life and death we're talking about. We're talking about the necessity of awareness, the necessity of, okay, so first of all, I know not everyone's going to understand us. I know that not everyone's going to understand DID. And I also know, as do my parts, not everyone is going to believe that DID exists. There's nothing I can do about that. It's the same with politics. It's the same with religion. I can't change your mind. You can't change mine, though. I'm aware of what my life is. I'm aware of what my life was before. All of those things that I don't know that occurred, because that's the difference. It's not that I don't remember things. It's that I legitimately don't know what occurred. I don't know all of the people that I've met. What I do know is at some points in my life, people came up to me and they're like, oh my God, it's so nice to see you. And how have you been, Erica? And all these different things. And I just kind of look at them and like nod like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, uh, who, thinking in my head, who the hell are you? It's nice to see you too. How have you been? Hey man, what's going on? How you doing? You know, and, and you get to play the pronoun game really, really well. 
And it's not that these people weren't important to me or some part of me. It's that I literally don't know who you are or the context of you. And I'm desperately trying to figure it out. But before I knew I had DID, I had no clue who these people were. So it was just such such an amazing thing to be able to get together with people. And then, like I said, we had gotten to speak to Natalie Harris a little bit. We also got to speak to Michael Landsberg from Sick Not Week. His Twitter handle, for those who don't know, though I'm sure you probably do, is at Hey Landsberg, L-A-N-D-S-B-E-R-G. And it was really great to get to talk to him a little bit too, because he had explained, listen, I had I had no idea. You know, a lot of people don't know about DID. And he was explaining that he gained such such a deeper understanding and the presentation went well in that, which is something that because let's be honest, that's why that's why we do what we do. We want people to discuss these things. We want people to understand what DID can actually be. I was in a room of, you know, like 100 people, and we were fine. We were fine. There was anxiety. There was, there was stress for some of my parts. But what we know now is different than what they knew 15 years ago, or even 10 years ago, or 8 or 5 years ago. I've been in therapy a little over 5 years at this point, but things have begun to change. And that is really what I think people with DID need to understand is that, yes, therapy is definitely a difficult process, but it becomes worth it because gradually you get to understand your system, your parts, yourself better. You get to understand why things were the way they were. You get to understand that, okay, so you know what? I know that this, this, and this person, those people they're not going to understand me. They don't want to. They're afraid. They can't change their minds about certain things, but that's okay. That's okay because I know that these people, these people understand me. These people are my people, right? Because everyone has different groups of people. Not everyone gets along. That would kind of make the world a little bit boring, to be perfectly honest. I know world peace would be amazing and everything would be perfect and wonderful. That's just not the way humans are built. And I know that might sound depressing to some people, but that's not my point. My point is that everyone is a little different. And in those differences, that's how you can grow as people. And that's how you can continue conversations like this that are just immensely difficult to get through. Conversations like so many, the dozens or so, that we had over the last three days up in Canada. People who knew DID and understood DID because they were friends of April's or people who had no clue about some of the more intricate pieces of DID, about some of the experiences of people with DID. But we did have several people come up to us at that event and after talking about how it's such an important conversation. Events like this are so important. And they were beyond impressed with April and the crew at AFR 365 about how she was just able to get something like this off the ground and get it moving and raise some of these funds and get the awareness out there for Simcoe County CMHA, which was just such a cool thing because we're like, you know what? Yeah, we're proud of her too. She's a friend of ours, has been for a few years now, and we're just immensely proud of her and so excited that we were able to meet her and all of these different people and just the talent of some people because April had gotten so many different donations and things because they were doing like a raffle to raise more money and there was some just profound artwork there that was so impressive to see 
just some of the talent that people are able to do. One example of that is, I don't know if you guys know her, but she's she's up in Canada, eh? Kelly Go at G-O-U-G-H 1963 on Twitter. We were just talking to her on Twitter a few minutes ago before I hopped on here to do this episode about some of her work. And it is just, it is so intense if you've seen it. If you go to our Twitter at The We and Me, you'll be able to see some of the conversation because we had shared the most previous episode with April on our podcast. And the image that I used is one of Kelly's pieces of work. And it is just so striking to me. There were so many different pieces and we actually got to come home with with one of her pieces of work. And it is just super exciting. We're like, I'm, I'm running through my brain <laughs> before we hop down here. Like, I think I do. Um, some of her work is a little bit larger and I think I have a frame that'll fit that. And I know exactly where I'm going to put it. So when I do get it framed and I'll, I'll share it with you guys after, after I get it framed and put up and stuff where I'm going to place it in our little room here. And if you've talked to us on Skype, you know what I'm talking about. Or if we've gone live, then you've, you've seen some of our, our room where we work out of with all of our art and all of these different things. And then our crochet stuff, which so the other day when we were at that brunch, I took a picture of this crazy, amazing squid that one of Kevin's friends made. And I really want to share that with you guys. You have to see this thing. It is so cool, the work that Em did. But going on a little bit with travel, you need to figure out, as I said, what works for you. Because, okay, so there certainly were problems for us. So sometimes good things are just as tricky as the negative and bad experiences, right? With DID, that's something that actually I was talking to Kevin about yesterday. So we were discussing some of the trickiness because after I had, I had messaged him and afterward we were talking about how there's just like this high level of excitement in both our systems. Like, Hey, we got to meet and talk to somebody else your friend made that really cool squid and my parts got really hype, right? <laughs> and Kevin was explaining the same thing to me. So there's this confusion sometimes for other people who don't have DID. And then as well as people who have DID, there can be confusion, but there's also this concern. This isn't going to make sense to somebody. This is going to sound crazy. This is going to sound stupid. This is whatever the inference would be. It's typically a negative connotation. But when good things occur as well, like coming together and having an event like this to raise awareness and funds for mental health, and then the the brunch that we had, and then just being around people, the good experiences can be very tricky. We will be discussing this in our therapy session this week because it's an important thing to talk about. If you can't talk about these things, then it's going to continue to just eat at your mind and like try and figure out like, well, as, is this not normal? At which, you know, we all hate that term, but it's the word. So is this not normal? Is this something that makes me strange? Is this what's going on for me that I can't enjoy something good? What's going on for me that I become afraid when something good occurs? And Kevin and I, like I said, we were talking a little bit about that and he had expressed that to me. And I told him, I was like, no, no, I, I do understand what you mean. I've, I've talked to my husband about this as well as our doctor. And my husband really struggles to understand that piece of things too, because he's like, well, what do you mean things that are good are worse than things that are bad? Because if your life is inconsistent and you have all of this understanding of horrible, horrible things happening and are going to happen when something positive happens, it shakes up your entire system. 
it shakes up your brain. It shakes up the sensations in your body physically as well. And I want you to understand that, yes, things do get triggered in a physical way as well as emotional within my system because my parts will experience some of these negative emotions over things that occur that are positive in our life, like going to brunch. And then the repercussions of that are I'm highly agitated and there's this like internal bounciness going on and all of this excitement and then trying to slow that down it can be exhausting. When I got home last night, we talked to my husband for a little bit and then we gave the dogs their attention and then the weasels we've been playing with all day today because they've they've all missed us because they're our family and quite literally the animals are our children. So trying to find that balance in life, it becomes exhausting so much to the point that last night we crashed and we were in bed for like 10 hours which as some of you know who follow us on Twitter, that's very abnormal. We don't sleep a whole lot. But I can feel it even right now. There's this joy and excitement and then there's this fear and uncertainty like, okay, how do I handle this? Why is it okay to experience this positive emotion when years ago, if I had gotten overexcited, there were negative things that had occurred as well. Being open with your doctor is kind of my point here. You have to be able to discuss these things with your doctor, with someone who can get it or with someone who is willing to listen, which is a big piece of what supporters of DID can do as well. So if you don't have DID and you're someone who wants to learn more about it or you support a friend or family member, relative, whatever the connotation is, whatever, however you define the relationship, if you can support that person by having a better understanding of it, then that is where awareness really kicks off and there that's really where we can crush stigma and that is such an important thing so in regards to travel this this residual high in a sense of excitement and scatterbrainedness and trying to figure out okay so this this and this occurred and then this this and this was the aftermath of those occurrences how can i handle that because even still right now my system, we know collectively, we know that at some point we are going to want to travel to Canada again. We are going to travel somewhere else again. We will be on another plane at some point in my life. One of the really difficult pieces for us in flying specifically is actually walking to the plane to get on board of the plane because there are no windows in those hallways. It is very tricky. Do you know what I mean by hallways? It's the, the ramp that you use to board the actual plane. Another piece of that that can be tricky is the feeling of, okay, there's literally no escape from here. If something is to occur, I cannot get out of here for the allotted time that I will be on the plane. Once we land, I still can't immediately get off the plane. This is a problem for a lot of people who've experienced trauma, not just DID or dissociative disorders, but trauma in general. This can be a very tricky and triggering thing, but we do have certain things that we implement and put into place. And one of my parts really assists with that. Her name's Motion. I'm not sure if we have her listed on the blog or not, theweanandme.com. But it's something that really needs to be discussed with your doctor if you're going to travel, to be discussed with your system internally. And I don't mean, I mean discussed. I mean, have the conversation, like, listen, this is what we're going to do. And however you communicate with your system is what I'm talking about here. If you write to each other, if you draw to each other, then you need to get the message across however you can. 
this is what we will be doing. This is what I need from you. This is what I need from you. And this is what I need you to understand. And this is also what I need you not to do. Because working with yourself, with yourselves, with your parts, with your altars, however you want to define that, working with each other is how you begin to live a unified life. And that's how I express my thoughts on integration. I know that a lot of you know that. Because for me, integration is living a unified life with a common goal. So you don't want to survive. You don't want to continue just going through the motions of life. You want to live. You want to work together to live. You don't want to have the constant fights and arguments and triggers and traumas and problems. You want to work together in those things and rely on one another to grow. Because really, if you rely on one another, you're an entire system. If you work together, which a lot of systems do, and some have varying degrees of how they do and how they can and intercommunication and co-consciousness and all these different things. There are some people who don't have that explicitly. So it is something that is really important. Work together and figure out the way that works for you to communicate these things to one another, as well as trying to have a safe way to communicate that to other people that you may be traveling with. So if you, if you go on vacation, just a fun vacation for a week or two or something like that, to like, let's say the beach, Florida, Hawaii, whatever, and you're doing that with other people, at this point, we've discussed it, we want at least one person that we travel with to be aware that I have DID. So listen, if something like this occurs, this is what I would rely on you to do. Yeah, absolutely. That is putting certain things on other people that you travel with. It's the importance of having an illness and that is taking responsibility for your illness. In that, what I mean is... When I travel, I tell people I have diabetes. Like if I'm traveling with someone, friends, whatever, I, I make sure people know I have diabetes. Like, listen, if I start to not make sense and I start sweating or shaking or something like that, I might not fully be aware of it. And I'm not sure why that is because years ago that had happened before where I couldn't feel that my blood sugar was dropping. And sometimes you could see the physical symptoms of it. Our friend Jessie, for example, at Delib Obtuse, she'll be on the podcast here in a few weeks. She is someone who has been around for almost 20 years of our life. And if you're traveling with somebody, having that backup, that safety net is an important thing if you have an illness. Diabetes, for example, physical and mental illnesses are not the exact same, but there are repercussions of both. Traveling with DID, it can be triggering. It can be difficult for people. For us specifically in hotels, we get we do get highly agitated. However, there is, there is a safety to it because you can see the entirety of the room. We always, always keep bathroom doors shut because that is unfortunately one of our triggers is bathrooms. That is an everyday trigger for us. And that gets very, very complicated. But we have been working on that for years. And I say we, but my parts, my system had been working on that long, long ago, because that is, is a trigger. And that was one that before I was unaware of. But now being aware of it, I do really notice different things that, oh, okay, that makes sense then why that would have happened or this would have happened. So being aware of these things is so important for yourself. Additionally, if you're traveling alone, that is why I express so much that you really need to, to work together you really need to have this set up. If you use if you use notebooks or whatever it is that you use to communicate with each other, whether it's co-consciousness or you're able to have that internal communication, you really need to do that to make sure everyone is safe and comfortable and everybody is in more or less agreement, in a sense, to travel. So 
my parts, some of them are 10 times more claustrophobic than I am. So we worked at it, we discussed it, we figured out what worked for us. We took a plane twice in the last three days. And it's one of those things that you need to figure out for yourself in a way. But that doesn't mean that you can't reach out to other people to say, hey, what was it that, was this something that worked for you? What didn't work for you? And that sort of thing. So one of the other things that a lot of people aren't fully aware of is that some of my parts are severe, severely anxious around people. When I give presentations like this or when Jinx and a few other parts help me give different presentations, because it's not that public speaking bothers me. It's that I will get lost in thought, as you may have noticed. I get lost in thought sometimes because there's a particular thing that is interesting to me. So I'll ramble on and on and on and on about it. And Jinx is one of my parts that helps me try, tries to help me get back onto track. But every time we do these types of things, it is triggering being in a room full of people who now all of them know I have DAD because I've just told them that. Telling people that is largely the opposite of what we had done for so many years. So talking openly about those things can be very triggering for parts of me. But it's worth it to us because we have a doctor now and a lot of systems don't. I have the ability to speak to people. A lot of systems don't. My parts, many of them, are not afraid of public speaking. And that's not the case for a lot of people. That's not the case for a lot of people in general, like the general population. You don't have to have a mental illness to have a fear of speaking in public. So all of these different things combined, we're a system that we can do this. We think that this is an important thing to do. It is important to advocate for your own community because the community at large is the sum of however many people. And in the case of DID, it's millions and millions of people globally almost or over, really, when you look at statistics, it's 10 million people in the U.S. alone. So in Canada, what are those numbers like? In Mexico, what are those numbers like? In, in Brazil, South America, East Asia, all across the world, Australia, what are those numbers like? And the problem with that is that you cannot get a definitive number. You can give estimations, because it's 3% of the population. Okay, but if 3% of the population of the U.S. is approximately, again, approximately 10 million people, it's like something like 9.8 million people. If that's the math that you're working with, then, oh my God, it's more than that, which is the problem because DID is such a hidden disorder for so many people, and that is why we do talk about this. That is why we want to express to people, listen, this is a thing. This exists. People are out there that need help. Whether the psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist, counselor, whatever it is, whether they do or do not believe in the disorder makes no difference because it is real. It is out there. And there are people struggling daily with this. And then so many of those people don't make it. We know, as some of you already know, we know several systems in the last eight to 10 months who are no longer with us because of sacrifice, because of not being able to find help, because they were so highly triggered, they just could not do it anymore because there was no hope. I know people hate it when I say that because I also hate it. To be perfectly honest, I hate it. But unfortunately, for some systems, when they go and go and go and they can't find help, they do feel hopeless. 
And I don't want people to feel hopeless, especially not in my community, when I can speak about it and do something about it. If I can do something, that is how, that is largely how my system has lived my entire life. If I can do something about it, I'm going to. If I can change something, I am going to. If there is a problem in the world that I can fix, I am going to. And it is just something that we can offer. So that is why we do it. Because I know so many people always ask, well, why would you, why would you put yourself in such a triggering situation? We had someone come up to us at the event. They were just talking about how it must be so difficult to talk openly about something so traumatic. And I'm paraphrasing. But then they had sent us a message that night, like later on that night, asking, well, if it's, if it's so triggering, why would you put yourself in such a triggering environment? Because A, then I can identify more of my own triggers and I can work through them. So they do not continue to impact my life because I'm 31. I'm hoping, you know, to hit 60 someday. So you have to continue to work and it's a pain in the ass. It absolutely is. But if you don't continue to work, then you can't continue to have residual impact. By that, I mean, we're able to do these things. But if we don't take care of ourselves, if you don't put your own oxygen mask on, then you're not going to be able to breathe. At some point, you can't hold your breath for 10 years. You just can't do it. You can't hold your breath for 10 minutes. Like the average of that is like probably a minute for people, two minutes, whatever it is, because trained athletes, swimmers, they hold their breath for like four minutes, some of them. If that person who has trained most of their life to do this can only do it for about four minutes, then there's probably not much hope for me to be able to hold my breath for longer than about a minute and a half. <laughs> and that I feel is very optimistic given some of my lung problems. Our point for today's episode is work at things. If you want to travel, discuss it. If you want to get more involved in mental health awareness, look up in your area what is around you. CMHA in Simcoe County if you're in Canada. NAMI, National Alliance of Mental Illness, if you're in the United States. Find your local chapter and get involved. Find your local chapter and say, hey, I don't know if you guys do events, but I was thinking we could do something like this. Can I make a, can I make a pitch? Can I put a presentation together for you? Because maybe that's what your strong suit is. Maybe you're good at graphic design and you want to offer them something that they can auction off. Or if you're like an artist and you want to say, hey, you know what? I, um, I have a mental illness. This is what I deal with. I deal with dissociation and anxiety and depression. I deal with anxiety and depression. I deal with major depressive disorder, whatever it is, whatever the case is, and say, this is what I have to offer you. This is how I, this is how I want to do my part. This is what I want to do for my community. Because these local chapters, they are people in your community. That's who they're there to serve. They serve the people of your community. If you're moving forward with things like this, then go for it and just put these things together. If it's something that you're not able to do, then don't beat yourself up about that because truly, I, I, we received a few messages from people while we were in Canada about that exact thing. They discuss how, like, I just, I could never do that. Then don't. That's not your niche. What you do, what you're doing right now helps. And a lot of the time, people, specifically systems that are very hidden, who do reach out and message us, they always say, I don't, I don't know how you can do that. They support us. And that helps us continue because then we see, okay, so this is something that people are taking notice of. Okay, so this is something that people understand, that people with DID are relating to. 
So this is what we're going to do. We're going to continue to do this. And the people who do share their stories with us anonymously and people who and people who do message us saying, listen, you can share this piece of my story the next time that you talk to the CPD or the next time that you meet with NAMI or the next time that you do a living with DID talk or course or whatever it is that we continue to do, please go ahead and feel free to share this piece of our story. That helps us too. And by helping us do these things, you're helping us help psychologists. You're helping us help the police department, other organizations that can make, it's a ripple effect, right? You can, you start with just that tiny drop of thank you and it ripples out to this massive thing. I think people really miss the quote unquote small contributions that they make because they think like, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. Because for me, perfect, a perfect example of that is Friday night, right? April was so on top of things. I know there is no way that my system and I could have done that. We just can't organize such a massive event like that. We'll go, I'll go and speak. I'll, I'll sit there and chit chat with people for hours. I have jinx if I get tired or if my head gets too loud or if I get too agitated. I have jinx. She's very social, as many of you know. So we can do things like this and get awareness out there. We can talk about what it's like living with DID for us as well as for other people because all of you wonderful people do continue to reach out to us, email us, tweet us, send us DMs on Twitter and all of these different social media communications because there's an endless way to get a hold of people now in today's world, right? So we have people who reach out to us and say, hey, you can share this piece of my story. You can share that piece of my story. All of these different things and that continues to have a ripple effect. So we are now back from Canada. We're back in Indiana now. Landed in Chicago last night. And now we're moving forward. We're continuing to do things that can hopefully impact and benefit people in the future. And we're really excited again about having met all of these wonderful people that we've been talking to. Some we had never met before and we got the chance to talk with and meet. And it was just a very profound experience and a very positive one too as well as being on vacation. And now this was something that was entirely up to us. This is this was our choice to do it. But while we were on vacation, we did test the waters a little bit in a sense, test and push our own boundaries and comfort levels and things. Because while we were at the hotel, we did go down to the restaurant and the bar and talk to a few people that were in there, including the bartender, hi, Lori. And we were explaining to her why we were there. We are here um, to speak at this mental health event, and I have DID. It wasn't a bad experience. It was fine. That was my choice. I'm not saying go and do that if you're uncomfortable with that. I'm saying in order to continue to grow and continue to build things in your life, we are a system that very much at least the majority, very much believe in pushing the limits in a sense, pushing our own limits, not breaking boundaries, not breaking consent, but pushing things forward. This is where we're at right now. We're visiting here. We're not going to be here tomorrow. Let's try and figure this out. Let's see how this goes. And then we can discuss it in therapy, whether it was positive, negative, something in between or both or all of the above. Whatever the case is, we can work on it and we work on it. That's what my point is, is that as a community together, the mental health community, we have to stop the self-stigma. We have to stop the, stop the stigmatization of DID and various disorders like this. We have to raise awareness about 
disorders like depression, which is what Michael Landsberg talks about, and then the paramedic community that Natalie Harris talks about. So, so all of these different things, we're all a part of the mental health community, but we all speak to different sections of it. And that is such a cool thing to have had come together on Friday night and all of these different people in one room sharing their stories, talking about all of these different pieces and how mental health, mental illness has affected us, has impacted us. The things that Natalie, Michael, myself, and then April did by putting this whole event together, people were coming up to all three of us and April as well saying, you did such a great job. Thank you. And all of these different things. And while that there is discomfort in that, just to be perfectly honest, there is discomfort in compliments for myself and my system because me, I don't think and process things in a, in an overly emotional way. So I just, Oh, okay. Thank you. And sometimes that doesn't translate well to very emotional people. I do not translate well to very emotional people, unfortunately, because I don't mean things to sound like I don't appreciate them. I absolutely do. I appreciate every single person who came up to us and expressed gratitude or shared a piece of their own stories with us. I just don't process things in an emotional way. So a lot of the time I'm not very helpful to them, but I never ever want someone to think that I don't appreciate that or that my system doesn't appreciate that because it absolutely is a difficult thing for us to do. I mean it when I say it is triggering in some way, shape and or form every time we do it, but it's important to us. This type of work is important to us. We want people to better understand dissociative disorders, trauma and DID. If you misunderstand something, a perfect example of that before I hop off here is Michael because he was trying to figure out how to formulate certain questions when we were talking. And when he had, when he had first come up, we were, we were just kind of discussing and meeting for the first time face-to-face in that. And he was explaining that he was trying to figure out how to best express his question. And I told him, I was like, well, you're not going to offend me or any of my parts, just so you know, even if you use terminology that we wouldn't, it's not going to offend us because you don't know. So being angry with someone who doesn't have the proper language that we use doesn't make any sense. And for us, that's true kind of across the board. We don't really get, now if you do something intentionally, that's different. But if you're coming from a place of ignorance to where you're like, listen, I just don't know about this. That's perfectly acceptable. Ask the question. The only time that that would frustrate my parts probably is if someone who did know just assumed, inferred, and, and explained things intentionally wrong to trigger me. That's an entirely different thing, and that is wrong. If you're coming from a place of ignorance, then please ask the question. If you don't understand something, ask the question, because let me tell you, that's how we all learn things, by asking questions and having people honestly answer them. So I just wanted to thank everybody again who was up in Canada, Barry and Toronto. Thank you to some of April's friends who helped drive us around while we were out there. It was a really great experience to everybody, and a quick hi to Tyson. Little Ty Ty, for those who don't know, is April's puppy, and we miss him very, very much. <laughs> Thanks again, everybody. This was Erica from theweandme.com. You can find us on Twitter at theweandme, and stay tuned for future episodes coming at you on Sunday afternoons. Thanks, everyone. You'll be hearing music from Brandon Dillon on YouTube. You can find him by typing in Brandon Dillon, D-I-L-L-O-N, And thanks again for him to letting us use some of his music. All right, guys. Talk to you later and enjoy. The team is in my chest, you're waking. And my heart just keeps on breaking and breaking me out.
Yeah.